Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 23rd is John chapters 7 and 8. The setting is the Feast of Booths, also called Tabernacles or Sukkot, a week-long celebration in which the people remembered the time that they were in booths or in temporary dwellings as they were transitioning from the world system under Pharaoh in Egypt to the promised land. It was a time of deprogramming and learning to trust God rather than the security of having a day-to-day job in which they were enslaved. It's interesting to note that Jesus began teaching in the middle of the week. For those who believe in the 7,000-year theory of God's plan for humanity, in which each day of creation was not only a literal 24-hour period, but also a prophetic view of God's plan in which each day represents a 1,000 years, Jesus came in the middle of the week, like on Wednesday, which would have been the 4,000th year period, and he'll return to usher in Saturday, which is the Sabbath day rest, and we are anxiously anticipating that millennial reign, which is the 1,000 year rest or Sabbath. The town was all abuzz, wondering if Jesus would appear. People were afraid to ask openly or talk about him openly because they didn't want to put a target on their own backs, knowing that the Jews, the known and approved Bible scholars of that time, they wanted to kill Jesus because they were threatened by him. They were offended by him. And instead of viewing the things he was saying with humility and considering whether or not they might be true, they shut up their ears and hardened their hearts, dug in their heels, and began defending themselves and attacking anyone who might side with Jesus. As the week was half over, Jesus began teaching in the temple, and the Jews, who hadn't made up their minds against him, were amazed at his teaching that it came with such authority, especially because he had not been trained. He hadn't gone to their Bible schools. He wasn't sanctioned by any denomination or sect. He was a regular guy, like you or me. Jesus responds to their unasked questions about his authority and his power with which he taught and said his teaching was not his own. It came from on high. True authority comes from God in heaven. Many supposed leaders in the church today are famous because they sound good. They rhyme. They say things that are fun to repeat, like a catchy song that's fun to sing along with. But is there true power in what they are saying? True authority comes from God the Father. It's revealed to us through His Word. As we study His Word and it becomes part of us, and we, with the power of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit, allow the Word to become part of us, we are changed, we are made more like Him, God's character is revealed in us, and then we can speak with His authority and not the authority of man. It's not with eloquence, it's with power. Jesus points this out to them, 
And then he asks them the question, why are you trying to kill me? I come representing and revealing the very one you claim to follow. As the light shines on the darkness and Jesus calls out their hidden plans publicly, why are you trying to kill me? Their response is, you have a demon. In actuality, they were the ones with demons, but they were unwilling to admit it. They were likely blind to that fact, and they're projecting on the righteous their own wicked schemes. They lie, and then they accuse other people of the very acts they themselves are doing. The enemy has been doing this from day one, and he's doing it now. Be very careful who you listen to, friends. It's imperative that we use discernment and remember that our God is not a God of confusion. He hasn't given us a spirit of confusion, but one of love and power and a sound mind. As we are motivated by love, and propelled by God's power, we will have a sound mind. But it's imperative that we cut off the source of confusion. Many of us are driven this way and that because we listen to the news media, and we listen to false teachers, and we are surrounded by people who don't know the truth. Satan's name means accuser. We must stop listening to the voices which are accusing other people and start discerning for ourselves. We cannot form our opinions based on the opinions of others because the others have proven themselves not to be trustworthy again and again and again. Stop listening to those who are out there calling other people demonized before you make an opinion of a religious leader, a speaker, or even a politician, go to the source and listen to their words yourself, look at their own actions themselves, and then make up your mind based on the fruit of that person's ministry. Don't take the opinions of the news media because they're the ones who are supposed to know. Don't take the opinion of the religious leaders or pastors or watchdog ministries, go to the source. Many of us today are deceived because we are listening to the opinions of other people and being swayed by them, and we have no idea who these people are. Get in the Word, pray like you've never prayed before, and before you condemn any politician or any religious leader or your neighbor or a family member, or anybody else, make sure that you have gone to that source. Make sure that you are hearing from them directly before you form your opinion. Many people were lost because they listened to the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes who hated Jesus, but they never listened to Jesus for themselves. They believed the lie when these men said, Jesus has a demon. Stop judging according to outward appearances and make a righteous judgment. Look at the fruit. What is happening as a result of my ministry? 
the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the demon-possessed are being delivered, the dead are being raised, paralytics are walking. Stop making excuses for why you think I'm a false teacher. In chapter 7, verse 40, people were confused. Some were saying he was the prophet, like Moses, who had been predicted. Some were saying, no, he's the Messiah. But they were confused because some of the prophecies talk about one coming from Nazareth or Galilee. Some were talking about Bethlehem. It never occurred to them that Jesus was both the prophet like Moses and the Messiah who was to come from the line of David. He was born in Bethlehem and then he was spared the massacre of the little boys that was spawned from Herod's hatred and fear of competition. He went to Egypt, he came back out and was raised in Nazareth. He was both. 753 verse 811 is not in every Bible. It's the story of the woman caught in adultery. They drag her to Jesus and make her stand in the center and tell Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act, and the law states we should stone somebody who is guilty like her. What do you say? It seems as though they knew Jesus was going to be merciful. That was his nature. And they were looking for a way to trap him, to accuse him of being a false teacher. They wanted to use his mercy as a weapon against him. I wonder how many of them had heard him when he preached about the kingdom of heaven in the Beatitudes. You've heard that it was said, do not, com do not commit adultery. And yet I tell you, anyone who has lust in his heart is guilty. He responds to them, let any of you who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, the crowd dispersed itself, beginning with the oldest. Jesus is the exact expression of the Father's heart. He is the Word of God made flesh. He is revealing God's heart to us. And he says to this woman, when all of her accusers had left, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. She was guilty. She deserved punishment for doing what she had done. No doubt the man she was with deserved it as well. But the heart of the Father is not to condemn, it's to set free. I wonder if Jesus looked into her eyes and she felt the love and compassion of the Most High God flowing through him, and it changed her forever. God sees you, and he loves you, and he desires that you would be set free. He's not condemning you. He's saying, believe in the love of the one he sent. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever would believe on him would not perish but would have everlasting life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you knew me, you would know my Father. I and the Father are one. If you want to know the Father, get to know me. I represent him. 
Everything I do and say points to him. You guys are going to kill me. When you lift me up, then you will know without a doubt that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own. If you continue in my word or my teaching, then you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A litmus test for believers. Are you continuing in his word? Is it becoming more and more a part of you? Is it crowding out the other areas in your life that do not bring God glory? Are you still going or have you arrived? Friends, if you've arrived, you're not continuing. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you feel free? If you're not free, continue in his word, continue in his teachings. Go back here and read it and read it and read it. Meditate on it. Let it become part of you. Study it. Memorize it. Become free. Become more free. Be more free tomorrow than you are today. This is how you'll know if you are his disciples. Are you continuing in his word? Is it becoming more of you? Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Are you sinning? Can you stop? Have you stopped? Are you continuing in his word? John 8 goes into a conversation between Jesus and the religious leaders where they're saying they're children of Abraham. Jesus said, if you were children of Abraham, then you would know me because Abraham looked on my day and rejoiced. How do you know Abraham? You're, you're not even 50 years old. Abraham has been dead for centuries. Jesus' response, before Abraham was, I am. He isn't directly invoking the name of the living God, the God of Abraham, and saying, I am that one. I existed before Abraham was. I am forever past. I have no beginning. Of course, they wanted to kill him. Those demon-possessed religious leaders. But he disappeared in the midst of them. And then he slipped right by in the middle of them and they couldn't even see him. I also must point out in verse 44, Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning, and he's the father of lies. If he's a murderer from the beginning, how could he be a fallen angel? Things to ponder, my friends. God bless you. Thank you for being on this journey. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested in supporting the Bible in order, one of the easiest ways to do that is to refer us your real estate business. I am a licensed real estate agent in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. I am actively listing homes in Southwest Florida, and I have a team of agents spanning 16 states currently. If you're a real estate professional, I would love the opportunity to work with you, to refer business to you. And if you're a homeowner or you would like to become a homeowner, we would love to be able to help you with your real estate needs. Thank you so much for your consideration. God bless you.